This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. May God bless and enjoy this message. <laughs> so give me an opportunity to worship him, and I'm going to take it. I know where I'm coming from. <laughs> I may dress nice and look proper. I'm not proper when it comes to worship. There's no protocol. Thank you. Pastor has been preaching about dangerous prayers. I want to continue in dangerous prayers, but I want to put a spin on it. I think Southern Hills is poised for something unusual. Southern Hills is poised for something unusual. And it's not because of us. It's because of him. It's because he has a bigger agenda than what we have. And I've been feeling it. I know some of you have been feeling it in your spirit. You've been wrestling with pastors had it. It's been on paper. And he's, he hasn't seen it. But he's seen it. Today I want to get to the book of, a book in the Old Testament. I've wrestled with this, this message. I'm not sure it's going to come out the way I have it on paper, and I'd rather it not come out the way I have it on paper. Because in my spirit, I feel like it's heavier than what I have on paper. I'm in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. <clears throat> The truth is, it's an injustice to start at Second Chronicles chapter 7 because it feels like I'm starting in the middle of a, an essay. So let me back up a few, few, few verses. Verse 40, let me just read randomly from verse 40. And if I was to set the context, it was, <clears throat> the temple has been built. So David thought that he was supposed to build a temple to house the ark of the living God. And so he was getting himself organized to get it built. And the Lord said, it's not your job to build a temple. My son is going, your son is going to build it. And so he set everything up. And you get to verse 3, chapter 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And you see all that's happening there. And he goes down to a few more verses. And he goes down to another chapter. And you realize that the Ark of the Covenant, when he went in, Levit in Leviticus, <clears throat> when he decided, when he said, I want you to build the tabernacle, the first, the first piece of furniture, let's put it like that, that he said to build was the Ark of the Covenant because he wanted these significant things. He wanted a place to house his, I have to say this carefully, his holy scriptures. He wanted a place where he could, he could intentionally bring himself to a size where he could communicate with his people. Remember, there is no limit or boundaries when it comes to God. He's everywhere. But he wanted to. <laughs> That's why Jesus came. Because he wanted to be able to identify with us. And we could identify with him. But because Jesus wasn't here as yet physically, he said, okay, let me just do this. Set this up structure. <clears throat> 
And we've heard about the tabernacle, which is a message that I'm preparing also, but I didn't feel like that was for today. You have the outer courts. You have the, you have the, the most holy place. You have the holies of holies. And inside is that place where we had, where we, where we had the, the Ark of the Covenant or Ark of the Testament that was inside there. So that was floating around. Wherever they moved and they set up camp, that's where the Ark went with them. But they were designing a house where this could have its place. You don't have to move it around. It doesn't have to be like... I've spoken to a lot of military families. It does, it, art, art doesn't have to be like a military family. It doesn't have to keep moving around and around. And so they built this. And so they built this temple now. So they built the temple in chapter 5. And, and then you realize that in chapter 5 and then chapter 6, then the Solomon started dedicating the temple. And this is where we're at. Started dedicating the temple. Started praying and asking forgiveness and everything. And then... In verse 40 says, now my God, may your eyes open and your ears attentive to us, to the prayers offered in this place. I think that's dangerous, don't you? Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place, because we've just created a temple for you to reside in. You and the ark of your might, which is the ark of the covenant. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. I think that's what Seth and the team was doing this morning. They're reminding God of his promises. Not because he's forgotten, but so that we know he's made those promises. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped. You see, uh, that's where I see a big disconnect with the church of today and the church of then. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I see the move of God, <laughs> have you ever gone to one of those? Probably Michael Bublé concert, huh? Or maybe it was. Uh, I think more people passed out at a uh, Jackson. What's a Jackson guy? Michael Jackson. More people passed out at Michael Jackson concerts. You see, we go all over for men because they excite us so much. What happened to God? I don't understand. What happened to God? Have you ever been sick before and got healing? Huh? 
Have you ever needed answer to a prayer and you got the answer? It came out of nowhere. Have you ever needed money? And it, you didn't know where it was coming from. No rent. <laughs> so when they saw what God did, they got on their faces and worshipped. So what I'm asking for God for today from this service is God revive us again. I feel like the Lord wants to revive us again. But it's not coming to people who try to be proper and prim. It's going to come to desperate people. It's going to come to desperate people. God wants us to be so desperate. He wants us to be so hungry. Now, I don't know why he, I mean, he said these things all throughout the scriptures. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. He says that they that long for me will find me. Come on. Why would he say that? When I long for my wife, she knows it. She knows it. When you long for God, he knows it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures today. We have a few minutes, but you don't have a lot to say. It's very simple. So speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. The single greatest need of our church today is a heaven-sent revival. This is not something we can do ourselves. Programs can't do it. Preaching can't do it. A certain type of music can't do it because it has nothing to do with those kind of things. They can facilitate it, but they can't do it. Only God's moving by His Holy Spirit can do it. This happens when the sovereign God supersedes and intervenes into our lives. Church service takes on a new life. <laughs> it won't be like one person said that we start 1045 sharp and we end 12 o'clock dull. It doesn't happen like that when it comes to God. Because there is no time limit when it comes to God and in his presence. Real revival is not built on emotions or sentimentalism. It's not the goosebumps you feel when Seth sings a nice song. That's not it. It's not the shouting, though I shout. Or even when tears come to your eyes. That's not revival. Because revival changes everything. It changes everything. And the people at work see it. You recognize it. You have a hard time controlling yourself when it comes to the things of God. You always want to eat his scriptures. You want to tell people about him. Revival changes everything. Revival comes from an old Latin word means. The re means to do again. So re again. And vivo, or it could be a Spanish word because I think it's the same thing. I don't, I'm not pronouncing it properly. A vivo or vivo or whatever it is. It's V-I-V-O. I think that covers it. All it means is live again. So revival means to live again. 
So when I say revive us again, is that assuming that we are not alive? Is that assuming that we were once alive? I hope no one takes an offense. But I want what I see in the Bible in our church. I want, I want that. And I'm not going to settle for anything less from God. And I hope you join me. I hope you join pastor. He's been after it with his heart. Everything. I hope you join our leadership team. We want it and nothing less. Because revival changes everything. So where do we find revival? It's not necessarily, again, through the preaching, good preaching, or good, our, our, our lives being converted, or it's a group of people coming together. That's not it. Revival is found in people who love the Lord Jesus Christ in a deep and powerful way. Charles Finney, in one of his books, he said this about revival. This is how he describes revival. Charles Finney, I, I, one of the guys that I respect for what he did in the kingdom. He says, it describes revival as a new beginning of obedience to God. I told you, I'm not here to tell you anything new. I'm telling you something that you already know. So revival happens when God's people come again to their responsibilities towards God. It is returning to a life of obedience. Now in this passage that I read, I find a recipe for, uh, for revival. And I want to share with those with you quickly. I understand I just have a few minutes. And so I want to share with you quick. If you look with me at verse 1, chapter 7. It says that when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. How do we know that revival has come to Southern Hills? We begin to see the fire fall. We begin to see the fire fall. Remember, these guys have prayed. Solomon just prayed and he laid it out. And he said, God, and God showed that he heard them by sending fire. Now, all throughout the scripture, we've seen fire. Because fire purifies, and fire shows God's sense of approval and something. So God was saying, I approve your offering. So when we come with our praise offering, God sends the fire by showing that I approve your offering that you just gave to me. When was the last time you saw that fire? When was the last time you... Ex the Old Testament prophet said, I feel like a fire shut up within my bones. I don't know what that feels like, but I want it. I crave those things. He used fire to identify his presence and purity. To Elijah, God consumed the altar with fire from heaven. You can, re you can relate to that. The first few believers in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, he showed up like a cloven tongue of tongues of fire. Think about it. What makes us different? Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. <laughs> hey, back then, 
They built that temple for God to dwell in and God to come among his people. God is saying that, guess what? Your bodies are now my temples. And what I'm going to do when your life makes sense to me, when your life, when your life is what I'm looking for, I'm going to ignite it and set you ablaze. So it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. Make it because it's holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. When God, through the Holy Spirit, descend upon us at an outpouring of his grace, on the day of Pentecost, we saw that he wants to do that again. He wants to do that on us as believers. This is not something we can do by, by practicing religion. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me do a poll of those who are in front of us. Show me your hand if you're satisfied or you want more. Are you satisfied? So it means it's not just me then. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Say it again. Because prayer, revival changes things. How many times has you sensed the Holy Spirit wake you in the middle of the night and you go back to sleep? You don't have to show your hands. How many times have you had the prompting to pray? And he said, later. Or when I get to church. Our kids' lives depend on it. You know, I probably would be a little bit more casual if I didn't have any kids. But because I know the society that they're growing up in, because I know what is needed, <laughs> that motivates me every single day. Come on, grandparents. Doesn't it motivate you? Of course. So let me go on quickly. When revival comes, we will witness the glory of God. Look at verse 2. It says, the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. Now, I don't know about you. I don't believe it was scary. I just think it was overwhelming. When was the last time you became so weak in your knees and worship that you had to get on your knees? When was the last time you came inside here and the person next to you was trying to touch you to say something and they, they couldn't get your attention because you were so lost in worship? You may call me too spiritual, but I'd rather you call me too spiritual than not spiritual. But, but what I'm saying, church, and like I said, I don't think I have a lot to say. I'm just saying that for things to change, we have to change. It's not going to take one or two. It's not going to take three. It's not going to take ten. It's going to take every man, woman, and child marching in the same direction. We have to do that. I don't, I don't understand 
how I could be hearing somebody singing a praise song about the goodness of God. And I'm there. I don't make any, I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. I don't understand. Not when I read the scriptures. When the glory of God comes, what we once thought was important is no longer important. Being prim and proper is no longer important. You don't remember that you have a dress on. If you feel like running, you're going to run. Call me crazy if you want. The, the spirit is subjected to the prophet. But at the same time, when I look at what happened when people experience the power of God, it's a Pentecostal church. So much of the things we think that are important, looking nice for our neighbors. I don't want to say that. I don't want anybody to hear me say this. I don't want them to hear me speaking in tongues. It pales in comparison to the power we experience when the glory of God comes. Yeah. I notice that worship will be our first priority too. Look at verse 3. It says, When the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple. So remember, wherever the people of God went, the, there was a pillar of fire by night. And a pillar of cloud by day. I don't know if we have one outside. But I know he's here. I know he's here. Because he lives within us. Okay? Remember, we are the temple now. <laughs> it said they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshipped and they gave thanks to God saying what? Saying what? It sounds like the songs you were just singing. It sounds like what the praise team was just doing. It said, you are good and your love endures forever. That sounds like a song we sing. These people break, broke out in unprompted praise when the glory of God was in the temple. begs me the question so what if one morning we decided that we won't have a praise team pastor would say hey guys let's just let's just unstructured praise let's just praise today before the word comes or one morning we decide we won't have any music today okay Josh no instrument today and Josh just comes and sit down right here and Joe just come and sit down or not stand down. What would we do? Because I don't think we know how to worship without music. I don't think we do. You heard any music here? Look, there was no music there. But when the glory of the Lord comes, that's the only thing that matters. Everything else pales in comparison. So what if I don't have music? What if I do have music? What if I'm the only one here? 
It doesn't matter. When the glory of the Lord comes, all I want to do is worship. So Lord, revive us again. Give me a few minutes. Look a little bit further down. Let me find the right verse. It says, <laughs> it says, And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 heads of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goat. Now, I, I mean, I have a very vivid mind. So when I read the scriptures, I'm wondering, that's a whole lot of goat and sheep and cattle. That's a whole lot. But there is something I observe from this. That when the glory of God comes and when revival comes, giving, giving is phenomenal. Giving is phenomenal. Where do you think all this came from? You think Solomon just, just gave up all his stuff? It's the people that gave this. When the glory of God come. Let me give you a passage that's easier for you to digest. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 says, And all believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to everyone in need. Does that sound like that to me? It does. When the glory of God shows up like it did in Acts chapter 2. Nobody had a need because all the needs were met. Because everybody became generous. Oh, you need a car? A car is needed over here. Oh, okay. Babysitter? Okay. All right. I keep going back to this. I don't want to embarrass him. But when I see a young person decided, decide to leave his job and give his time, energy, and talent to the kingdom of God, man, that impacts me uh, an amazing. It, it, it's a great impact on my life because when the glory of God comes, people become extravagantly generous. When the glory of God comes, attendance pick ups, pick, picks up. Yeah. It's not my word. Look with me. <laughs> Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, But I, when I am lifted from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Now, where will those people be? When the glory of God comes, there is no room inside this house for people. It's not my words. When the glory of God comes, hey, we're going to evangelize, of course. But the truth is, the Spirit of God draws people because it's like a magnet. 
look on the day of Pentecost. What do you think happened? You think all of them were in the same place? Or did they hear the rumbling? People in our community will hear the rumbling. They will hear the rumbling. It's not my words. Look at the scriptures. Yes, we will do our part, but guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to do more than we can do. There will be a rumbling. People will come. Revival doesn't come cheaply when it comes. It's going to take a price. It's going to take a price. Did you say prayer? I love this verse. I love this verse. And I'm going to run through this verse quickly. <clears throat> we know this verse very well. Verse 14. Verse 14 says, Let me back up to verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain nor command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people. And then it says in verse 14 that if, remember, there's an if. Don't ever forget the if. There's a condition on this. <laughs> you want the revival? You want it? It's going to come with a price. There's a cost. It's going to take some early morning hours before him. It's going to take some extra time of prayer. <laughs> and Tony will get some help. Because all of us will decide to pray. Because, guess what? I love the gift of a prayer warrior. But the truth is, everybody's been asked to pray. So hear what it says. If you want that, hear what it says right here. It says this. It says that the people of God has to unite in prayer. The early church experienced revival because they were constantly praying. Constantly praying. When Peter was in jail, what do you think the church was doing? And what happened? He got out of jail. What do you think Paul and Silas was doing when they were in jail? Poor me. <laughs> God, why you neglect me? That sounds like us. It doesn't sound like them. You know, I want to preach a nice message. But I don't want to preach a nice message. Because I want us to think about it. I want us to do something about it. If it makes you uncomfortable enough, let's do something about it. If you have 15 minutes, give the 15 minutes. If you have 10 minutes, give the 10 minutes. Give him 10 quality minutes. If you have a whole day, sit before him and pray for a day. But it's going to require us doing something different if we want different results. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call on me and I will answer. And I look at all these promises, and I look at all these things, and he's saying, guys, <laughs> stop making it complicated. Just do. I mean, you want me to answer? Just call. You want something? Just ask it in my name. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like a blind check kind of thing. <laughs> and we are the ones that are making this complicated. 
So it says, we have to unite in prayer. But then prayer coupled with humility. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he lift you up. See, once we realize that we're living on borrowed time. Uh, Victor, once we realize that we're living on borrowed time. Then you're not about, you're not about to prove anything to anybody. I'm not here to prove anything to you. <laughs> I'm here because I'm so grateful that he gave me another chance. Number three, prayer coupled with seeking God's face. There is no way. You see, my kids have this terrible habit that they'll come, that they'll come to speak to me, and they'll. Amar will do this. That's what Amar will do. Okay, what do you think he's doing? getting my attention. When God said seek my face what do you think he's saying? He said come up in my face. He's saying come up in my face. That's what he's saying. You get what I'm saying? But why do we want to stay this far away? It's like the people when the glory came over the mountain. They said Moses you go. You go. I don't want to God is saying come closer. Come closer. Seek my face. Why use a secondary when you have the primary? Huh? The veil has been torn. We now have full access into the presence of God as his people because the spirit resides in us. Don't stay away. And it says prayer must be coupled with repentance. I grew up learning that whenever I come to God, one of the first things I need today to say is, whether I have sinned or not, forgive me, Lord. Make sure there's nothing to hinder or line of communication. But you have people nowadays that they just step in. It's me, God. I want this. I want that. I want that. I want that. I'm saying, who are you? Sorry, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. I'm joking. <laughs> So what are the results of revival? The scripture says this. God will hear us when we do those things I just mentioned. Yes. It's not a case. You see, we're making it too complicated. The man, well, not the, well, he's a man, but he said that if you just ask, I will hear. He said if you pray, I will heal. And I mean, I mean, again, it's like a blank check. Do that. I'll do this. Do that, I'll do this. But we don't want to do this, but we want this. That's, that sounds like our kids. Yeah. Make your bed, and you'll get to play. You didn't make your bed, you will not get to play. I, that's my kids. Eat your breakfast, or sorry, eat your dinner, and you'll get the cookie. So Aria finishes. Can I be done? Yes, you can be done. Do I get the cookie? No. Why not? You didn't finish the dinner. Yes, I'm, I'm not quarreling with her. Eat the dinner, you get the cookie. She ate half of the dinner. Can I be done? Yes, you can be done. Do I get the cookie? No. Why didn't? Because you didn't eat the dinner. 
A, B, C. <laughs> Why do we try to make it complicated? All right, so, so it says, God will hear us when we pray. Now, I was reading a book that I got, and I was looking at it to kind of prepare, prepare for it. I don't remember the name of the book. But three of the largest churches in the world are in South Korea. Okay? In Korea. Three of the largest church. You've heard about Paul Yonggi Shao? Okay. When I saw that guy, it's a little old. I mean, sorry, forgive me, Lord. He's a little, I mean, the guy is so little. I mean, you, when you see him, he's just, I mean, he's older now, but he's still little. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But that guy packed a whole lot of power. And when you hear him talk, he doesn't sound anything like me. He's like this. I mean, he'll say his words. He's a nice, easygoing man. I had him and he was speaking. But you could sense the power of God. Can you imagine a church with over 800,000 people? If you ask him, and I was reading the book as well, he said that that church grew because we prayed. Prayer Mountain for them was a big deal. They would go 24 hours. They would go a whole week praying. Can you imagine if we pray a whole week here? Round the clock? We don't have room for the community. <laughs> Can you imagine? Three of the largest churches in the world. I was in uh, Indonesia. Pastor Nico in Janaro, something close to that. His last name is funny, but we just call him Nico for short. One of the biggest churches in the church of God. When I go there, man he shares a story he said that even the Muslims are coming to us because when we pray things change yeah. can you imagine Muslims come to their church give the offering and tell them their prayer requests and they keep Muslims Muslims <laughs> some of the biggest biggest businesses in the, in the country are giving to the church and it's a predominantly Muslim country the people come they respect him because they pray and things happen. I'm saying, saying Southern Hills. Can you imagine that at Southern Hills? When everybody around the community coming, prayer line. Not because of us, because we have a direct communication with God because we've been doing it ongoing over and over and over. It becomes a habit. He knows us in his presence. We're not strangers when we come to pray. Scripture says that he will forgive us when we pray. There will be an atmosphere of forgiveness rather than condemnation and fault. The last part, it says he will heal us. He'll hear us, he'll forgive us, he'll heal us. And we often think about healing just physical. But hear what I grab from this. He will heal our land. He'll heal our churches. He'll heal our marriages. It's been struggling. He will heal our marriages. He'll heal the brokenhearted. The sin sick soul will be delivered. So the question is Is this what you want? Because this is a dangerous prayer if we ask God to revive us again. It's going to require some effort on our part. When pastor says prayer, everybody show up. 
And if he says we're going to do it two days in a row, everybody shows up. Why? Because we want the fire of God to fall. We want the fire of God to fall. So, Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to us. Lord, I so appreciate your holy reverence in this place. So appreciate what you're doing. I want to pray a closing prayer. If this is the cry of your heart, stand. We're going to pray together. Just stand. And I'll just lead one prayer from here. Lord, this could be the beginning of something new, Lord. The truth is, Lord, we could, we could hide behind the idea that we didn't know before. But the truth is, once we know, the scripture says that we're held accountable for what we now know. Now that we know, Lord, we are, we have no excuse. So here, God, literally everybody is standing, Lord, saying, I want what the scripture speaks about here. The truth is, Father, we're going to need some help to get there. Because we'll be using muscles we've never used before, Father. We're using prayer muscles that we haven't used in probably years upon years. So we'll need some help. So Holy Spirit, I ask you today to help us. To help us. And even as you help Solomon, Father. Even as you descended, Father, on the sacrifices. That God, as we begin and as we lay ourselves before you, Lord God. That in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You'll cause your fire to fall, Lord. For we are not satisfied, Lord Jesus. So whatever they got, Lord, we want it. Whatever the Church of Acts got, we want it, Lord. Southern Hills is saying, we want it. Because we're not satisfied. So with those who are standing today, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, you'll grant creative ideas with the inventions. You'll grant the unction of the Holy Spirit. You'll grant us a craving and a desire for more, Lord Jesus. That your fire will come, Lord. And you'll work through us, we pray in Jesus' name. That as a church, we will never be the same, Lord. That we won't be complaining, Lord, like, like the children of Israel did back then, Lord. That we won't be looking for handouts, Lord Jesus. But we want to see, what can I bring to the table? For if we humble ourselves, pray, turn from our evil ways, seek your face, you will hear from heaven. You will heal our land. So thank you today for hearing us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name.